from the Esquire Lounge in downtown Champaign, it's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. 217-351-5357. Now, live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Steve Kelly. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk. Indeed, we're at the Esquire, beautiful Monday here in central Illinois. Illinois football to talk about, Illinois basketball to talk about. Matt Daniels is here, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmussen. You guys doing all right today, Matthew? Yeah, doing good. It's my sister's uh, birthday, so happy birthday, Michelle. Hope you're listening in St. Charles, Missouri. If not, catch the podcast later. Anybody here with any questions, raise your hand. We'll get around to you uh, in the next 50 minutes or so. Marty Kaufman from uh, the athletic department will stop by about 5.30. It's a big weekend here at the U of I campus. It's Hall of Fame weekend, and the induction ceremony will be on campus this year for the first time. The first two were held in Chicago, and they're going to try something different, Matt, doing it uh, at the State Farm Center. Yeah, the, the, the ceremony has always been at State Farm Center, but the, the gala that they've had at the, the what the history, the Field Museum up in Chicago uh, the last two summers, they decided not to do that this year for the third class, and you got 16 former uh, Illini standouts, and uh, Gary Winky, former coach as well, uh, in, in this year's class, and uh, 6 p.m. on Friday night at State Farm Center should be a, a cool event, uh, just like it has been the, these past two years. Simeon Rice is in the class, J.C. Caroline, David Williams, Deion Thomas, Eddie Johnson are some of the, the bigger, more known names, although Ashley Bergeron from women's basketball is in there as well, and a, a lot of other great uh, former Illini athletes are in this year's class, so it uh, should be an exciting weekend to have all those greats back on back on campus. Might have been a little more fun, Bob, had Illinois won that game the other day against Western Michigan, uh, losing it on the last play of the game, a field goal to win uh, for Western Michigan 34-31. That's correct. I thought they'd be 3-0 going into this Saturday. I really thought that would be the case. No, almost was, but it wasn't. So the fact they're 2-1 uh, instead, is obviously a concern for Illinois. Uh, three and zero has been critical in terms of getting to a bowl game. Now, a bowl game to me is a much harder pull. Uh, they, can they win four games in the Big Ten? That's the question. That's a tough stop. That's a tough to do. Uh, three, not easy, but easier than four certainly. With all respect, due respect I'm to the Eagles. It was Eastern Michigan, not Western, like I said. Eastern Michigan. Same, Eastern, same thing. Western Michigan beat Illinois in 2016. So I've said that. Said that happened twice because they beat them uh, in Detroit one year, too. That's right. That was one of the worst football games ever. <laughs> it was? <laughs> Don't you remember that? It was, in, it the was with, uh, where, the Lions, where the uh, Lions play. Yes. It was, it was interesting. A big stadium with nobody there. There was not a lot of people there. So, yeah, that was bad. Well, some of these folks are there. We appreciate They're that. They're troopers. Bob and I were there. Matt, were you probably there or not? No, I wasn't. No. Jim, was, Jim Russell was there. And we had a great time because Detroit, it was fun, but no, nah, Illinois did not play well. The only thing I remember about that trip, and this has nothing to do with anything, but I fell off the elevator. Ooh. <laughs> How does that happen? Well, you, you, <laughs> you take a step. With did, the elevator did, Lauren, did Lauren push you? He, I think maybe he did. Okay. 
Somebody did, but Marty Kaufman, who will be here tonight, maybe he'll remember that. He's the one that held me up. Ed, you may remember it. I went to step off, and the elevator moved again, and uh, I went almost face down, but um, Marty held me up. So th that's another reason I didn't like that trip. Not, not, a great trip. not a great memory. What year was that? I should know this. 2008. Yeah, eight. Thank, okay, so Illinois, not a bowl team that year, so tough year. You know, you're, you're a genius in the way you remember these years. And I went through them all, but I can't come up with them as quick as you do. Thanks, Steve. I, I appreciate he's younger, that. so he's got a better memory. Than I think you Bob just called gold, Steve. No, no, I said both of us. We're yeah, all both old. You know, I may have overstated the genius part. Yeah, I think uh, you did a little bit. <laughs> Perhaps. But feel free to tout that again if you want to. Okay. Scott Ritchie was at the game Saturday. Did you think Illinois was going to come back and at least get it into overtime? I mean, honestly, I didn't think that they could make up the, the two-touchdown uh, margin that they were facing. Uh, and the offense finally kicked it into the gear in, in the fourth quarter. Uh, that last drive, I mean, facing fourth and ten from the seven-yard line, uh, odds are you don't uh, score <laughs> on that drive, but uh, Brandon Pierce was able to find Josh and Matter Bebe several times, made some really big plays, especially the touchdown. But then you know, the defense just – was non-existent uh, on the last drive of the game. Eastern Michigan drove uh, with impunity, essentially. I mean, they did whatever they wanted, which they had been doing most of the game anyway. And uh, you end up with you know, Chad Ryland kicking a, what, 24-yard field goal you know, for the win. And it's – I mean, it was a bad loss. I don't think you can phrase it any other way. Illinois needed to go 3-0. You know, Bob said it's tougher to win you know, four games and three in the Big Ten. I mean, the fact that Lovey Smith in his first three years has four Big Ten wins, I don't put the odds particularly high that he can get four. So uh, bowl game would be a surprise to me. I, I had a fan ask me a really good question after the game. They said, did Illinois consider going for two after they scored that touchdown? Which I never would have thought of that. But in hindsight, it might have been interesting to see. It wouldn't have mattered because the field goal would still beat you. But it might have been kind of cool. Would have said, I believe the offense or something good about the team if they'd done something very aggressive like that. I said if, if it was like last minute or so, they might have thought about it. But because the way the defense was getting shredded that game, probably made some sense to try to win then as opposed to try to win later in overtime. But it did happen. And they could have because there was a, a penalty on Eastern right. Michigan on the PAT. So the so ball yard. Yeah, the ball would have been essentially fall forward. So it's a great question. Yeah. And I'll ask Lovey Smith tomorrow when it's him. And they'll say, are you crazy? Or some version of that. <laughs> well, there were Which some, he's right. There were some things to be concerned about in the ball game. The offense put up 31 points, but it kind of went quiet for two quarters. Right. In the second and third quarter when uh, I think uh, Brandon Peters missed some guys that he had open. And, and then the defense still is the, the question, Scott, that we had going into the season and – I think it might be the question all through the season. Yeah, and I think it just maybe further illustrates that the first two games were not an accurate representation of what that defense can do. You know, even a guy like uh, Wally Batiku led the nation in sacks and tackles for loss through two games, and then no one could generate any pressure against Eastern Michigan. So uh, pretty clear that Akron and UConn are not particularly good, and you know, the level of play just ratchets up considerably starting this week against Nebraska and then you know, throughout the rest of the Big Ten where, I mean, Illinois is going to be favored in one game the rest of the season against Rutgers. And right. 
I mean, Rutgers won at Memorial Stadium the last time they came to Champaign, so that's maybe not even a given there. Nebraska comes to town, a 7 o'clock game Saturday night. This line, by the way, if you pay attention to that, it, it started at 8. Right. It's now 13 and a half. Oops. It'll probably go up a few more ticks the rest of the week. And I mean, Illinois lost a great opportunity uh, with the loss on, on Saturday because instead of us sitting here bemoaning the fact that they're 2-1 and one and the defense you know, had another poor game, even if Illinois would have somehow figured out a way to win that game against Eastern Michigan, yes, we would still be talking about some of the deficiencies and some of the flaws that they had, but the narrative and just the probably the buzz around town this week would just be a whole heck of a lot different. Not to All say right. that Illinois was going to beat Nebraska, even if they were 3-0, but just the sense of optimism and hope and everything kind of going into a, a night kickoff at Memorial Stadium to open Big Ten play on Hall of Fame weekend uh, that's kind of just been pushed to the backside, to the burner now, because Illinois came out and lost to a MAC team on Saturday, a team they should never lose to, and, and that's what happened. Any questions out there? Raise your hand. I'll get around to you. Still should be a pretty good atmosphere Saturday night. And Bob, how good is Nebraska? They're okay. They're, they have flaws. How about that? Their offense is pretty good. Their defense struggled in the second half against Colorado. They were led by 17. They blew the game. People there are pretty unhappy, but they came back and played well against Northern. I'm not sure how good Northern is. Probably not very good. Uh, I think Adrian Martinez, we talk about this later, is really a problem for Illinois because he's the worst kind of quarterback, just like the guy they just played, only better. So that's a real problem for Illinois. Defensively, I think Illinois will have trouble stopping him. I also think Nebraska will have trouble stopping Illinois. One of the bright spots, kind of a cool spot in the uh, ball game, was the first score of the game, James McCourt, a 57-yard 57 57 field goal to tie a record for the longest field goal in Illinois history, a record held by Dan Beaver back in 75, I think it was, mid-70s. And uh, interesting email here, I'll read you part of this, uh, an email from Dan Beaver says, hey, big shout out to Illini kicker James McCourt from the other side of the world in the Philippine Islands. Congratulations on your record-tying 57-yard field goal. Way to go. Great to read about you and all the other Illinois kickers like Chase McLaughlin keeping up the Illinois long-distance kicking tradition. Give them a long kick uh, strong and hope Coach Smith has an opportunity to go beyond midfield and see how things come out. So he's still following the Illini and Beaver, co-holder of that record. He held that record a long time by himself, Scott. Yeah, I mean... 40 years? Yep. Essentially, that's a, that's a while. Uh, but if there was a coach to give James McCourt more opportunities for 50-plus uh, yard field goals, it's probably Levy Smith. He's fine going for three uh, in those situations. And it's kind of funny. Uh, James missed a 30-yarder, yeah. I think, sure in, one, in yeah. the opening game. Then he hit from 52 at UConn and now 57. So maybe he just kicks 50-plus yard field goals. <laughs> uh, but uh, – Definitely a big leg, and he's shown that on the uh, kickoffs as well. Dan Beaver has been living in the Philippines for the last 30 years. He and his wife helping uh, people out there. So a nice email from Dan Beaver. 3569397 is the uh, phone number if you'd like to join us on Monday Night Sports Talk. Any other surprises in the Big Ten over the weekend for you? Uh, to me, Michigan State losing yeah. that game. Yeah. Uh, the way they lost it was really a bitter. 12 men on the field. Somebody should be out there going one, two, three, four, five. Calm that deal. Make sure you don't have 12 men in the field. But that was a bad, bad loss at home. Arizona State is okay. 
they're ranked now, but they're not. They're not a team that should go be able to go in there and beat them. Other than that, Maryland. Maryland was yeah, kind of sad. I thought they'd win, be three and zero, ready to rank them, but I couldn't because they lost. So that was the only, only two. Uh, Purdue getting getting smacked around, pretty At bad. Home. They lost a bad game again. TCU is a good team. They're ranked, I think now. They're good. Always their coaches Gary Patterson is a really good coach, but they should not lose that like that. They should they can lose a close game to TCU, but that was a kind of tough loss for Purdue. What about you? Any surprises that you saw, Scott? Well, I mean, I think the fact that you know Purdue was you know without its starting quarterback didn't help. But uh, True. I mean, the Maryland game was the surprise to me. I mean, they were averaging something like sixty-eight points a game in the first two games, and then um, they had two for a really long time against Temple. And you know, it's not a game. You, know, you talk about Illinois losing Eastern Michigan, a game that shouldn't they shouldn't lose. I mean, Temple's. You know, I, I don't know. Probably it's, it's kind of the same. It's a game Maryland probably should not lose, but uh, that happened with their offense there where it was just not you know, firing on any cylinders. And they actually had two safeties in that game, too. It's so. hard to do. How could yeah. get two safeties? Josh Jackson struggled, to look like. Yeah, and he had been so good in the first two right. games. I mean, obviously beating Howard 79-0, to zero, I mean, that's, that's one thing. But, I mean, they did the same thing to Syracuse. So you right. sort of the expectation was – Michael Oxy's offense is going to do that to everybody, and, and it just didn't really show up. Got a question here in the audience. Go ahead, sir. Uh, quick question on the uh, injury status on the, on the back, defensive backfield. My understanding is the two starters are out, and then three backups are also out. Do you guys have any updates on the, on the status of the injuries with our defensive backs? We know Lovey Smith loves to talk about injuries. Yeah, so, I mean, not a, a huge update, but, you know, Sidney Brown did return last, uh, this past Saturday, so that's one starter back. Uh, Tony Adams is, I think, dealing with a concussion, so that's, I mean, there's really no timetable on that. It's just whenever he's not showing any of those symptoms. I mean, and you don't want to, obviously, you know, risk that. And then, um, again, really no update from Stanley Green either, but I mean, the fact that they had to move Delano Ware back to safety shows, you know, how little depth that they had um, in the backfield. And it was an issue. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, big plays over the top, you know, by Eastern Michigan, and I think I said this on Saturday, like, the Eagles were presenting you know, the perfect game plan to beat this particular Illinois team, and Nebraska certainly saw it. And, and Larry Oladipo, who was suspended uh, for the game against Eastern Michigan, is still indefinitely suspended and likely won't play uh, against Nebraska this Saturday. Offensive coordinator Rod Smith uh, spoke to the media, as did Lovey Smith today, and Rob is a little more uh, fired up, I would say, and uh, not real happy, and he blamed himself for uh, some of his play calling, especially in the middle quarters there when uh, the Illinois offense kind of bogged down. Yeah, and well, he said that he kind of got out of a rhythm uh, as well, and a lot of that was due to the fact that Illinois was facing a lot of second and 10 and then third and 10, third and 15. I think they had a third and 23 at one point. And I mean, they still managed to actually almost hit their like goal, third down conversion rate, about 45%, but um, – he kind of considered that a bit of a miracle given you know, how many long downs they faced. And it's just, uh, he said the Illinois offense is its own worst enemy right now. And, you know, with uh, the penalties, uh, lots of you know, holding penalties. Ron Sidney had an illegal uh, block as well. Um, yeah, they're, they're not helping themselves in any f shape or fashion. Hold, holding penalties and penalties in general on long gains. That happened. I think Reggie Carbon lost a long catch or run. 
I think they had a couple of plays that were like 20 plus yard plays called back. So it really hurt them beyond just the 10 yards of the loss. Lost more like 30 each time. So it's really bad. Yeah, I mean, there were multiple first down right. plays, whereas, okay, now it's actually second and 12. That's, that's impossible. It really, is hard. it really is hard. I like they took the blame themselves, but I think that's after three games, those are mistakes that should not be made this often, I would say. With that said, though, they still managed down two scores late in the game to put a couple of drives together and get back in the game. Uh, Peter's day overall was not great, but his numbers turned out not so bad, and he's got nine touchdown passes now in, in three games. So they did come back and get in it and got it tied up and made it look like it was going to go to overtime, but once again, it's the defense that uh, that kind of let him down late. Yeah, and, and like Bob said earlier, Adrian Martinez is coming into Memorial Stadium on Saturday night, and you know he was – entering the season was getting some you know dark horse love for the the Heisman if he could have a breakout season and he torched Illinois last year during their game in Lincoln and uh, he's the epitome of a dual threat quarterback and uh, you know Illinois past defense has been pretty abysmal here these last two games and uh, even if Martinez struggles in that area he's he's prone to break a big long run at any any time so dual threat quarterbacks have always been a struggle uh, for Illinois' defense, and it's a defense that is really going to have to look itself in the mirror this week and, and get back to you know maybe the, the way they played against Akron, although that's going to be difficult because the competition ramps up so much uh, this Saturday night, and it's just going to be very interesting to see how Illinois responds uh, after you know going into last week where everyone kind of thought they'd come out of the Eastern Mission game 3-0, and they'd have all this momentum, all this energy, you know, built for a night kickoff there at, at Memorial Stadium, and now they're just going to ha- kind of have to take the, you know, underdog mentality of the us-against-the-world uh, mindset to go into Saturday night. We're about to hit the bottom of the hour, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Monday Night Sports Talk at the Esquire, downtown Champaign, busy downtown Champaign. Marty Kaufman will be here. He's looking for a place to park <laughs> right as we speak. So we'll, uh, we'll find him a spot to park and get him in here. We'll take a break and be back with more on Monday Night Sports Talk from the Esquire. Stay with us. You're listening to Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS with the News Gazette Media Sports Writers. Live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign. Welcome back to Monday Night Sports Talk. We're at the Esquire with you until 6 o'clock tonight. The phone lines are open, 356-9397 on this lovely Monday night in central Illinois. Talk football for the first 20 minutes or so. Brad Underwood... uh, this morning, and his new assistant coach, Stephen Gentry, also uh, talked to we media types, and uh, Scott Ritchie was there. And uh, they're kind of t- today was kind of, practice hasn't officially started yet, but individual workouts are still going on, and some of the guys were in there working out today. Yeah, this was the first day of, like, organized uh, skill workouts. The players have been going through some voluntary you know, workouts, basically, uh, since the week after uh, they got the school year started, um, but uh, kind of smaller groups right now. They're going to build that up in the next two weeks to you know, if larger groups. And then Illinois could start practice officially um, next week, but Brad Underwood's going to push that to the first week of October since uh, he feels like you know, they're kind of ahead of the game a little bit, having 10 practices already in July and then the, the Italy trip. But, uh, yeah, the Illinois big men were working out. You know, this morning, so got another 
brief look at least as I was walking through Albin uh, of Kofi. Uh, he's still large, still a large human being. <laughs> and then um, Jermaine Hamlin, kind of the newest one, was uh, doing some post work. Yeah, Georgie was Georgie. And then you know, Benjamin Bosman's Verdonk. What, what does that mean? Georgie was Georgie? Just loud. Okay. I mean, you could was he dancing? No, no dancing. I mean, okay. he, was, he was practicing. But okay. uh, Benjamin Bosman's Verdonk was on the court. He hasn't been like fully cleared yet. Still has uh, some follow-up doctor's appointments here in the next couple of weeks. And they're kind of taking it slow with him just so yeah, he's fully healed once you know, the season really starts. You mentioned Kofi Coburn is still big. Indeed he is, but I noticed from the last time I saw him, he looked a little trimmer. Yeah, I mean, I think Brad Underwood, like after they got back from Italy, he made a point of saying that, that Kofi had dropped some weight, but uh, he's still an imposing, he still you know, strikes an imposing figure uh, on the court. Uh, just I think better condition, uh, that's kind of the big thing for him, but uh, still you know, a few weeks until the basketball season really kicks into to full gear. I shook hands with him. It was like shaking hands with a catcher's mitt. <laughs> yeah, he's got huge hands in like a seven-six wingspan. Like his measurables are like everything you you want in a center. Everybody, say hi to Marty Kaufman. Hi, everybody. From the athletic department, associate athletic director. Busy time for you, as it always is in the fall, but especially this week with the Hall of Fame weekend coming. I know you're excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know hopefully an honor for all the class of 2019, and that's what it's most important, uh, most importantly for. But yeah, it's exciting for, for everybody. A lot of great names coming back for anybody who loves Fighting Line Athletics and knows the history. A great class and great opportunities to mingle and meet them, and we're looking forward to it. Marty, for those that aren't familiar with the process of uh, how these 16 got chosen, can you just kind of break down the, the process, the criteria for why these individuals are going into the Hall of Fame this weekend? Sure. So there was, there's a, this is the third class, and there's a, not, you can always nominate people on fightingline.com, and then there is a, a slightly different committee that comes together every year and selects really what tries to be a well rounded class that is diverse in men's, women's, age, sport, and really tries to mold that. Uh, with some of the nomination process that came in online and come to a reasonable number that, that we think works. And 16 happened was the number that just kind of went through the, we came up with as we went through the process. And of those 16, 13 are living and 12 will be returning. So we feel like we have a nice group that will be back on campus this weekend. So, you know, it's a, a busy weekend. What are I mean, some of the events that uh, fans can still maybe get tickets for, or uh, like I guess the induction ceremony, attend for free. Yeah, so we can go over really the whole weekend. So most of the inductees will come in Thursday night. Some of them will be driving in on Friday morning. It really starts with their induction ceremony is Friday at 6 p.m. Hope to start right at 6 p.m. at State Farm Center. And that is free and open to the public. And that is where all the inductees will receive the rewards. We'll give a few comments. Uh, we'll be... Uh, really were the official part of the whole weekend and hopefully if the rest is all fun for them if that's if they're nervous about speaking that's it they do have the chance prior to that there there's some campus tours there luncheon a private luncheon for just the hall of fame members but uh, prior to that but then the induction ceremony is at six o'clock state farm center free and open to the public and then there's an after party that we're having for them 
and that's a ticketed event for anybody who's, who wants to come. Uh, it is open to the public, but that's uh, at the large VIP tent, which is at First and Kirby, kind of in lot 31, the grass lot, and that's kind of a new concept that we're thinking of after the Oscars or you know the Grammys or anything like that. You think of people going to after parties, and since we have the ability to do that for them, this is really where they can let loose, be with their teammates, be with their families, uh, the live bands, some open bar and free food, and should be you know, less formal than maybe the six o'clock activities, but it should be a lot of fun. And then on, on Saturday, again, uh, all the, uh, or m most of the Hall of Famers will be signing autographs out at Grange Grove at five o'clock. And then some from five to six, there'll be an autograph tent out there, and they'll also be uh, introduced at halftime of the football game. I love the Hall of Fame first, but then I have small, tiny beef. I've, I think all these people know about it. There, you have a person, a golf coach at Illinois right now, who's arguably, arguably been the, one of the best coaches in school history in any sport. And yet, somehow, he's not eligible to be in the Hall of Fame right now because he hasn't retired. Now, I don't want him to retire. I want Mike Small to be there for a while. So I don't want that. But I think, is there a way at some point to honor Mike without having him have to get his wheelchair out and retire? So I wonder about it. Possibly, and it wouldn't be a, an interview with you, Bob, if there wasn't a beef of some There's sort. There's a beef, right? that's right. I mean, I I've, we've known each other a I'm long time. That. So, but I think maybe, I mean, Mike is, you know, I, I would, and everybody would be shocked if Mike wasn't in the Hall of Fame one day, but I don't think that's uncommon either. I mean, I don't think if you look at most Halls of Fame, current people are, are inducted, and so we took a lot of the, I guess you say rules, sure. based on the study of other colleges and other pro Hall of Fames. And, you know, are there some things that, that you could look at it and say they should be in right away? Absolutely. But it's just kind of we're following a little bit of the lead of others. I get that. No, yeah. I, I think that's one I would tweak. I would change that one. So we and can I, think, I think the interesting thing is you look at the future classes, it'll be interesting because you hope new people come on board, right? I mean, there are golfers right. that played for Mike that weren't eligible you know, last year, the year before, that all of a sudden become eligible. And we're also cognizant, I think, as we look, as we put in the class together of, it's been tough to get golfers to come back because they're still playing. Right, and so course. part of this is you want fans to celebrate with them and they'll be there. And we ran in that with Steve a little bit, is very appreciative, and Steve's been back on campus several times. but. When we've done these events for Stricker, he's either been coaching the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup right. or still playing. And so we've learned a little bit, too, that a guy like Thomas Peters is going to be eligible, I think, this year and very well may be inducted. But it may be also something we look, about, look at is, is he, is he really going to even be able right. to come back to, to accept it? Long term, what, what would you like the size of the classes to be? I know if you try, try to play catch up here the first couple but the, the next going forward, do you think like 10, or what's the number you'd like to get to? Yeah, Josh has kind of given us some direction on that. I think it's not only the size of the class, okay. but it's also the size of the class plus living and... Gotcha. And so balance. Th those no longer with us. Sure. We like to... So that's, I think, for the first two induction ceremonies have gone about two hours and 15 minutes. Right. And... There'll be people who say that should be shorter, and there'll be myself. I was glad it didn't go four hours, so we were pleased with how we did it. Okay. But we want to give everybody their due, but you also want to make sure that everybody has an enjoyable evening. So we'll have 10, uh, 12 people at the podium. Right. And I don't know that we want to go more than that. Okay. I could say gotcha. maybe a little bit less. So the class may be 
the same or longer, but maybe you have a few more people who are no longer with us. Sure. As in the past. Makes sense. You mentioned Thomas Peters uh, getting eligible. Is What is the, I guess, how many years do they have to be post-Illinois to you know, be considered for the Hall of Fame? Yeah, and I don't know all the criteria as well as Kent Brown, who runs that committee, uh, but I think it's five years. So five years is the, I do know that. It's five years from playing, and, and then there's, even some debate, uh, which I don't know, is it was five years from their start of their senior year to their end of their Do season. I, you know, golfers end their season in May, late May, and maybe even June. I can't remember when that right. championship is. So there's even a little guidance there. But yeah, that's something that that's one of the rules that we have with it. And some of the people that are coming back, many of them have been back over the years from time to time, but some of them, it's been a while. Yeah, I think it, it, it certainly has been. Uh, so. I left my list in the rush of coming over, but on the basketball side, Don Freeman hasn't been back in a while. Eddie Johnson, although he has been back, hasn't been back regularly. Uh, and he's coming back, as is uh, Deion Thomas, who is back regularly. Sure. Right. On the football side, Simeon Rice has, has not been back, at least no, publicly at often. Simeon's coming back. I'll be thrilled when we hear he's on the plane. Right. He's got route. his own schedule. <laughs> yes. I make sure he gets there, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I was in the sports information office when Simeon was here, so I've known Simeon since he was a student athlete. And we'll tell stories in the office. So at that time, we'd always... You can always, tell stories here. We'd always, yeah, we'd always have a weekly teleconference right with, with him with Simeon and Kevin Hardy right prior to, to social media and much of the internet and it was for writers and particularly visiting opponents writers yeah. to try to plug him for the Buckus Award or other or other honors and it was a tap dance every week at Never about do. 11 a.m. to find that. out if Simeon was gonna what time he would call in or not there weren't cell phones in so right. it would be a two-man process a lot of reading stats for 10 minutes on the phone. I'm sure Simeon's going to join us. He's just, he's just getting out of class. I'm sure he's going to call in. Well, but, but so reality, was, it was worth the wait for him yes. every time. Because yes. anybody that knows him, he's awesome as a person, but he's also kind of nuts. So in a good, in a good way, in a, he's fun. I, nuts is wrong. Is that he's why just, you got along with him so well? Uh, probably, but he's a lot of fun. He's really fun. He's a uh, free spirit, you would, you would agree with this, Barty, right? He's a free spirit. Absolutely. He would say literally anything. most fun I ever had with him was when he got drafted the night before. I was in New York, New York City in his hotel room. It was, it was incredible. I can't write everything I saw. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and a, and a couple other people have been back. Ashley Bergeron's coming back. Uh, she's our f uh, first inductee in, in women's basketball. And you talk about distance. She lives in London. She probably would have been a member of the class last year. Uh, but couldn't make it back and, and ask, you know, really, could we, could we wait a year so that her, she could make plans internationally to come back? So Ashley's coming back to campus. And then, uh, on the other hand, we're really excited that Gary Winicky, a yeah. uh, longtime local person, we're thrilled that Gary's uh, going to be there, be in person, and has certainly a lot of former athletes who we expect to be around that weekend. So it's got a nice mix of people. And many of Bob Norman, a former wrestler, has not been back in, in, in several years. Uh, so we feel really good about it. So the 6 o'clock event Friday is open to the public, right? Yes, everything's open to the public, yeah. but the 6 o'clock event, there's no charge. It's free and open at State Farm Center. Hope you all can make it. Marty, appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks Glad you Marty. found a parking spot. <laughs> yes, thanks. Sorry about that. That's I'd... Marty Kaufman, everybody, from uh, the Athletic Department. We'll take a break and be back with more Monday Night Sports Talk here at the Esquire after this. Bye. You're listening to Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 with the latest news and insights on the Illini, live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign. 
Welcome back, Monday Night Sports Talk at the Esquire. Another few minutes here, five or six minutes. Any questions in the audience, get your hand up and we'll uh, get out there with you. We started to talk a little bit of basketball from uh, right before Marty Kaufman came in. We appreciate Marty taking time to stop by and talk about the Hall of Fame weekend. We also uh, met uh, Stephen Gentry, the new assistant coach that uh, Brad Underwood hired and added to the staff. And he and uh, Brad go back a ways, don't they, Scott? Yeah, well, I mean, they've known each other since they were both in the Big 12. Uh, Brad Underwood at Kansas State, Stephen Gentry just getting into uh, college basketball business uh, as a coach at Texas A&M. And they have some kind of unique Kansas connections as well. They're both from Kansas. Uh, both their wives are from uh, Salina, Kansas. Uh, Brad's wife was a student teacher for Stephen Gentry's father-in-law uh, in Salina. So just some w- weird connections there. But uh, just the fact that Gentry worked with Brad Underwood at Stephen F. Austin, coached for him there, and all the success they had and at Oklahoma State. And then, I mean, technically he was here for about three weeks in 2017 before he uh, left for Gonzaga, uh, his alma mater. Uh, but he's now he's back, and... Uh, Brad was very excited about that. Um, both of them, though, are they were here for in the morning for their uh, skill workouts and then hit the road for recruiting with uh, the open period back uh, back up. So that's uh, a lot to do with the 2020 class where Illinois uh, still doesn't have any commitments and uh, November is coming soon to maybe, I stress maybe, sign someone in November uh, considering Iowa is the only player Brad Underwood signed in November in three years. Uh, we'll st- I guess we'll see if they're <laughs> able to, to get somebody. So don't hold, your, don't hold your breath is what you're saying. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot. It's a big weekend, though, this upcoming weekend for Illinois basketball. Yeah, I mean, probably the top priority in the 2020 class is going to be on campus for an official visit. Uh, Adam Miller uh, was supposed to visit uh, this past weekend, uh, pushed it back, so maybe it's good that he wasn't here to see the, the Eastern Michigan football game, but he will be here on campus for an official visit. Uh, should be a great atmosphere the whole weekend, but uh, he is the number one recruit in this class for Illinois, with maybe Andre Curbelo, uh, the point guard out of uh, New York, being uh, a 1B. Uh, to get both of them, I think, is the ideal class for Illinois. Whether they land one or both, or I don't know, maybe neither of them, we'll see, but uh, Certainly, Illinois put in a lot of time into on, uh, Adam Miller's recruitment. I mean, John Gross actually offered him first in his freshman year at Peoria Emanuel. Brett Underwood was quick to reaffirm that offer when he got the job in March 2017. And, I mean, they've been, you know, pushing for him ever since. And it's starting to get into kind of the, the key time in his recruitment. Um, obviously, he doesn't have to sign in November. But, you know, getting him on board, even with just the commitment, uh, would be huge for Illinois just to show that they've got some traction in this class. The Illinois volleyball team on a little bit of a rough part of the schedule here in the non-conference, but is still ranked. They're number 19 in the country this week. They got a win late Saturday night, if you stayed up with that, over uh, Marquette. So it's good to see they're still in the rankings and uh, trying to figure some things out rotation-wise. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you knew losing two players like Jordan Poulter and Ali Bastianelli that they had last season that it might be uh, a step back in uh, this season, but it seems that Chris Thomas and Scott can speak more authoritatively on this than I can since, you know, he covers the team. But 
Uh, the, it seems Chris Thomas is trying to mix and match his lineups, and, and they're trying to find some consistency w in regards to that. And it was good to see them bounce back late Saturday night, though, after losing four straight matches, uh, including uh, two earlier one in earlier match on Saturday to UCF after losing to Illinois State at Redbird Arena on Friday night to beat Marquette, which was the seventh-ranked team in the country in a rematch of last year's Sweet 16. So maybe going into this weekend where they go out to Indy for two matches, their yep. final non-conference ones before Big Ten play starts might be a good sign for, for Chris Thomas's group. Yeah, they play uh, Loyola Marymount and then Pacific you know, this weekend. Uh, Marymount was another NCAA tournament team from last year, so that just adds to the, the number they've already played. But I think if you look at this past weekend, the difference between you know that first – match in normal against ISU and then the win against Marquette against Illinois State. Chris Thomas played every single player that was healthy and available just to try and find some combination that worked. None of them really did. Uh, but against Marquette, he's I think, settled on, you know, a rotation and a lineup, stuck with it for the match. And obviously, I mean, fell behind early, but rallied to win a, another five-set match. Um, I think get used to that. I, f I have a feeling... I mean, there have been several uh, in his tenure already, but you know, f I think they're up to I think that was the fourth and seven matches. So this gonna I, I feel like it's gonna happen a lot. Uh, so lots of you're gonna get your money's worth if you've got season tickets for Illinois volleyball. Speaking of getting your money's worth, Major League Baseball Cubs and Cardinal fans have something in common at the moment. They're both very nervous. <laughs> Yeah, Sunday afternoon was a, a brutal one for, for the Cardinals to be a strike away from closing out a win against the Brewers and then having Ryan Braun revert back to his days of being a, a you know feared slugger, hit that grand slam off Junior Fernandez. And it's all going to come down, and I've been saying this for a while now, it's all going to come down to those seven of the final ten games for both teams when they face each other starting on Thursday night. Up in Wrigley, a four-game series uh, up there before the Cubs come to St. Louis next week and to close out the season for three games. So I think both teams are going to make the playoffs, but it's just a matter of who wins the Central right now. Well, you gotta, you got to watch out for the Brewers now, even though they're done with the Cardinals and they're done with the Cubs. But they've won 10 of the last 11, and their schedule's not very strong. True. The Cardinals' schedule is pretty strong, yes. the strongest of the three left. But you got to play who's on the schedule. So. True, and and I mean the Cardinals built up this lead in the you know, Central sure. by beating up on the Reds and the Pirates, just like the Cubs beat the snot out of the Pirates this past week and uh, up at Wrigley, what forty-seven runs and in, in three games. So uh, seemed like a hundred. Yeah, exactly. Where the Cardinals struggled to score two runs in two games out in Denver last week. So I can't understand that at all. But as a Cardinal fan myself, watching the game yesterday. My thought was anybody but Ryan Braun. True, it, it was a, it was a very weird game yesterday. Walk him in to tie the game. I don't, <laughs> don't let him hit a grand slam. Yeah, no, it was a, and the and the Cardinals bullpen was kind of depleted yesterday with Carlos Martinez, who Mike Schilt said after the game was at a hospital dealing with some respiratory issues and. Their bullpen definitely struggled, and uh, we'll see if they can regroup tonight against the Nationals. Well, the Cardinals have a two-game lead at this point over the Cubs, three over the Brewers, and all three teams in action tonight. Prep Confidential coming up. Yeah, got uh, three St. Joseph Ogden football players stopping by, Unity coach Scott Hamilton and uh, Fisher coach Jake Palmer on the show with Colin Likas and Jim Rosso next. And coming up at 7 o'clock, the Lovey Smith Show at Papa Dell's Pizza. Ed Bond will be there as he is here. He's everywhere. Ed Bond setting things up. Appreciate you uh, folks here at the Esquire tonight. Thanks, guys.
We'll be back with you again next Monday night on Monday Night Sports Talk, UDWS in Champaign-Urbana. Thanks to Marty Kaufman for stopping by. For Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmus, and Ed Bond, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good night, everybody.